uh, not all of us do, but I'm sure many of us have, have precious memories of growing up with our mothers um, who, uh, uh, who took care of us. And even though today's not Mother's Day, we are actually so celebrating uh, two mothers uh, in the sermon uh, today. It's very fitting uh, to have uh, a mother and a grandmother uh, share the welcome. Very fitting to have a video uh, showing the effect of, of mothers on young, young people. Today we talk about Eugene and Lois. Who are Eugene and Lois? Some of you may not be familiar. Well, they were Timothy, as in First and Second Timothy in the New Testament. Eugene was his mother, and Lois was his grandmother. Well, gosh, there's not much uh, in the Bible about Eugene and Lois, and that's very true. But there is some. And uh, as you know, we've been talking a lot uh, 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 recently about the cross and about uh, Jesus and about his life. And we come, come to the cross where he was nailed to the cross and then he came back to life. And then after that, if you're familiar with the book of Acts and the story of Christianity and how it, 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 it exploded, it exploded into mankind, in, into, uh, into the, the, the Middle Eastern area. And along those lines, somewhere, person by person, many people became Christians. And Eugene and Lois became disciples of Jesus. And so even though there's not a lot written about them, we can uh, look at them and look at their lives and look at what we do see. And I think there's lessons to celebrate. Lessons to celebrate uh, Eugene and Lois. And to look at them and say, wow, how can I be like that? How can I take what they had and just take a piece of it and become a little bit like who they were. Go ahead and uh, turn your Bibles over to Acts chapter 14. And I think when we talk about Timothy's mother and grandmother, you know, the first thing to understand is that, you know, their, their lives weren't a TV perfect family and neighborhood. They weren't like the Huxtables, if you remember and know who the Huxtable family is. Or the Ingalls family, if you know and, and who they were. Where the community lives and loves just supportively, right? No, in fact, they, they, you know, they went to, uh, when, you know, and those, you know, they go to the market and wave hello to everybody. I, I don't think it was like that for Lois and Eugene. You see, they were from Lystra. In Acts chapter 16, we see that, the, that that's where they lived. And Lystra is in, uh, it was no longer exists, but it was in what we know now as Turkey. It was a Roman outpost. So walking around Lystra, you would have seen Roman soldiers. There would have been Roman influence. But beyond that, there were Greeks and Greek influence. Just outside of Lystra, there was a temple dedicated to Zeus. And so there was a lot of, of Greeks and Roman influence mixed together with Jews. There were some Jews that lived there. And then, of course, there were native people that, that have had family lines that have lived there for a long, long time. And so you have at least a mix of, of that, those groups of people that are in, in Lystra. Now, they didn't always get along. It's a mix of many beliefs. Some agreed with each other, some wouldn't. 
So I'm sure you would find people talking about each other's behind each other's backs. People that wouldn't like other people, this group versus that group, or, or they just wouldn't hang and spend time with them. There was discord and division. Some were adamant that their beliefs were right. Like Zeus, that Zeus was their God. Some were very adamant in that. I think for Eugene and Lois, there were headwinds to face every day as disciples of Jesus. Maybe in some ways for them, it, it was a little bit like that for us now. Where we go into Charlottesville and surrounding areas, there's all kinds of beliefs. There's all kinds of division. There's all kinds of stuff. So I don't know that it was unlike that for them. In Acts chapter 14, we run into a story in, in I called it Lystra or Lystra. In Acts 14, verse 8. In Lystra, there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, Stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw that Paul, what Paul had done, they shouted in Laconian language, The gods have come down to us in human forms. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes because he was a chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the other crowds wanted to offer sacrifices to them. So Paul and Barnabas are there. A person had belief in the true God. And then all of a sudden there's people of other beliefs wanting to bow down, literally, to Paul and Barnabas, thinking that they're these, these gods that have now come in human form. Knowing nothing about the truth of Jesus. Knowing nothing about a real God. In verse 14, But when the apostle Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd, shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God, who made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their season. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even these words, even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. You get a glimpse into what Lystra was like. I mean, there's like some crazy people that aren't even listening to Paul and Barnabas. He's trying to teach them about God, the true God, and how much God has his, the glory of God of what he's made around them, but how, for their benefit. And they're just not listening. And verse 19, it continues. Then some of the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up, went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. That was the city where Eugene and Lois were living. That's where they were. It was not a bed of flowers. It was not every day being a birthday, every meal being a feast. I think it was very difficult 
uh, for them to live there. Let's turn over to Acts chapter 16. In Acts chapter 16, verse 1, Paul came to Derbe and then to Lystra, this is an, uh, another time, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. And it goes on, speaking of, uh, of Timothy. So these people spoke well of Timothy. At the time, Timothy, late teens, 16, 18 years old, something in that range. But people spoke well of Timothy. But behind every child, there's a story. Behind every teenager, there's a story. Speaking well of a young man like Timothy, that just doesn't happen. It doesn't just naturally appear out of the goodness of his heart. There is a backstory. And in this case, it's a backstory of a faithful mother and grandmother, not actually of a faithful father. You know, we watch this video of the Olympic athletes. And there's always a backstory. You know, you just don't show up and sign up for the 100-meter dash, right? You just don't show up and, and, and sign up for, the, for what your favorite swimming event. It's years and years and years of training. It's years of getting up early, getting to practice. Years of practice and strength training and so, so much work. But then there's the getting to practice and home from practice, isn't there? There's the support, kind of like you see in the video, when the child doesn't feel like they can do it anymore. There's the creating the safety for the child as they grow up. There's a backstory of support, a backstory of cheerleaders. And I think that's what we see in Timothy here, that he had that. He had support. He had cheerleaders. And he grows up into this great charactered young man that's so much so that, that people talk very well of him. For Timothy, he was following his mother and his grandmother's discipleship. So what that mean? Well, they took him to the church meetings, maybe at somebody's house or whenever they got together, perhaps prayer times, took him to other disciples' homes. And again, without the support of a faithful father. It says a lot for Eugene and Lois, and we haven't even really read about them, have we? About where they grew up or where they were living and how Timothy grew up. It was in a place, a town, where there wasn't support for the, what, they, what was known as the way. They weren't supporting, the, the Greeks weren't supporting the Jesus followers. The Roman soldiers weren't in support of the disciples. It was a, a community that wasn't in support of Christianity. Yet this young man, Timothy, had the support at home. Yeah. What an amazing, amazing character that both Eugene and Lois had. So let's read a little bit about them. Let's turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Right. And we'll read about 
what Paul called a sincere faith. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, and uh, I'll start reading in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you, so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you. Paul, of course, writing this letter to Timothy, gives a shout out to Eugene and Lois. Describes their faith as a sincere faith. As a sincere faith in the middle of, of, again, a community that was very difficult, not that supportive. So I thought about that sincere faith. What does that mean? What does that mean for them and, and what can we take from that? I thought of one, uh, one thing just being enduring through the struggles. You know, Eugene and Lois, they were people just like us. You maybe have had struggles this week, last week. I know you have at least at one point in your life. We've had some, all had some highs. We've all had some lows. I think it's safe to say Eugene and Lois are in that same way. That they had some highs, they had some lows, but they endured. Their faith endured through the good and through the bad. I think a sincere faith is an enduring faith that perseveres when it's difficult. I think their sincere faith was attractive. Why do I say that? Well, because it's something that Timothy wanted. He looked at them as he was growing up and he, he saw them and saw what the world had to offer and said, I want that. I want what my mom has. I want what my grandmother has. You know, it, 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 their faith created an environment that fostered that growth in Timothy. That fostered the, I want to be like you when I grow up environment. It called to him. You know, their faith planted seeds in Timothy that would grow. I don't know if they helped other people become Christians or not. I know they did Timothy. Past that, I'm not sure. It's hard, it's hard to say. But they certainly had a faith that planted a seed in him that would grow. And grow to a point that here we are 2,000 years later reading about a shout-out from Paul to Eugene and Lois. Their faith was encouraging. And I think that's why... That's why Paul gives them a shout out. You know, Paul, I mean, as, as we read, he's like, oh, I'm just, I'm so grateful every time I think of you. And I think about your family. I think about your mom. I think about your grandmother. It just fills me with chills inside. I get excited thinking about you and your, your, your mom and grandmother. It was encouraging. And I'm sure if it was encouraging to Paul, I think it's safe to say that that encouragement probably went throughout the disciples. In Lystra. I think uh, their sincere faith would have had to have been a faith that looked to God. 
that look to God and his word. You know, especially, you know, I think we can kind of relate to, to a, a town where, you know what, there's all kinds of, you can kind of believe what you want out there. But they look to the true God. They look to, to God's word. They look to, to who God was. And that was the anchor. We've talked about that the last several weeks, about having our, having our, our, our anchor, our, our foundation on the rock. The rock of that Jesus is the Christ. And I think that's where they were. That they looked to God and his word for their comfort, for their security, for their hope. Their sincere faith helped Timothy see that full devotion to Jesus really was the answer for all the yuck that was out there. It wasn't the temple to go worship Zeus. It wasn't the Roman soldiers with their big swords and their armor that they wore. It wasn't the other stuff that you see and hear out in the world. Actually, full devotion to Jesus. That's the answer to the confusion that's out there. That's the answer to to the, the, the variety of beliefs that Lystra had to offer him. That was his world. But Jesus was the answer. And he learned that from his mom and his grandmother. But you know what? I, I, when I read through this, it wasn't, I don't think Eugene and Lois were, were perfect. In 2 Timothy, if we read farther, in verse, uh, verse 6, and again, Paul's writing this letter to Timothy. He says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you, through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and discipline. Why would Paul write that? Do you think that Timothy maybe struggled a little bit with being timid? Do you think that he may have struggled just a little bit with being scared? Do you think that he might have actually gotten that a little bit maybe from his mother? Maybe. They weren't perfect people. They were disciples just like us in this room. They were people trying to love their Jesus just like us in this room. And as you read through First and Second Timothy, you see that, okay, yeah, Timothy does, does have some, some opportunity areas. He's not, he's not the next thing to Jesus. And just like us, they had things to work on. But they always went back to their God. And Paul, they get a shout out in God's word of having a sincere faith. In 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, let's turn over there. I'll start reading verse 1. But mark this, Paul continues his letters, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Whew. Just as Janus and Jambers 
Jambres opposed Moses, so also these teachings oppose the truth. They are men of depraved minds, who, as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. But they will not get very far, because, as in the case of, these, uh, of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings, and all kinds of happenings. Uh, to me in, in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned because, and have become convinced of, because you know that those from whom you have learned it, and how from infancy... You have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul writes, there's a lot coming to Timothy. But he reminds them, reminds them of, of, remember what you were taught when you were little? From Eugene and from Lois. Those Scriptures how from infancy you were taught about who God was. Hang on to that, Timothy. You know, if Timothy was an Olympic athlete, like we see in the video, you know, there was someone with him at the very beginning, training him just as a young boy. They could train him because they were confident in who they were and what the cross meant to them. They could teach this young boy because they were fully convinced that in a world that there was plenty of options to believe whatever you want, that Jesus Christ is the answer and that he, in fact, actually did rise from the dead. They showed this young man because they had a steadfast, just a steadfast and fully devoted faith that they lived out in their lives every day, despite what the world was around them. They were Eugene and Lois, Timothy's mother and grandmother that we celebrate today, whose lives at some point were totally changed because of Jesus Christ. They were women of God that we can look at and say, wow, there's not much in there. These people were pretty awesome. And so for us, what do we take from this? What 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 do we do with this? Two simple things. Maybe there's more you can take, but two simple things I thought of is, is one, we need strong times with God. We need strong times with God. Because I fear that some of us are, are really struggling in that. I've had conversations with a few of you. I've been open and say, you know what, I'm just really struggling. And I really appreciate that. I'm really just struggling and just having my quiet times. Guys, it is, it is hard. There's not a lot of encouraging stuff in the world. There just isn't. There just isn't. Even celebrating for those of us who, you know, remember back 20 years ago, thinking about some of that stuff yesterday. That's some dark stuff. That hit closer for some than others, maybe. But the world is a cold place, and it doesn't, it doesn't reach out to you and say, go have your quiet time. 
Go to Jesus. Go to God and pray. The world actually doesn't tell us that at all. But God is there longing for us to go to him. God is there waiting for us to go to him and having our quiet times. Let's have those strong times individually with God or with your roommate or with your spouse or with your children. Let's have those strong times with God so we can reconnect with God individually, that we can have that that same strength that we see in Eugene and Lois. Let's have those strong times with God. And let's work together to create an environment of faith. Whether it's in your household with roommates or whether it is with your spouse for your children or whether it is in your, your, your family group, your small group, for others around you. But to do that, we have to consider that. We have to think about that. It just doesn't, again, just the stuff doesn't show up. And there's nothing in the world like helping us with it, inspiring us with it out there. We have to consider it. Talk with your spouse. You know, if you have children at home, talk with, talk with your spouse and say, okay, how can we do this? How can we do better? It's going pretty good. How can we make it great? Or you know what? It stinks. How can we make it pretty good? It doesn't matter where you're at. It's where are we going? Where is point B? So let's consider it with our spouse. Whereas if you don't have kids and you're married, you know, again, with your spouse, of having conversations of how can we create an environment for us and then for people around us. Or if we're single, we have roommates. How can we work together to create an environment that will help us move forward? And then in the areas that we, we, we see, like, you know what, we really need to grow in this or we need to do this or that. You know, sometimes it just takes humility to admit, you know what, I, I haven't done that great. I'm going to work on this. I'm going to work on this one area. But for all of that, all of that, I was reminded of the song we were singing earlier, it all circles back to the cross. There is no Eugene and Lois if not for the cross. There is no story of Timothy without Jesus There is no story for any of us or for me without the cross. I took a picture of the words just because it it just hit me today as we, we sung. The men were singing. I will sing to and worship the king who is worthy. I will love and adore him and I will bow down before him. At the same time, the women, you were singing. You're the living God. You're my saving grace. You will reign forever. You are ancient of days. You are Alpha, Omega, beginning and end. You are my Savior, Messiah, Redeemer, and friend. That is our Jesus. That is our Jesus that we get to worship today. And we get to have a, a relationship with. And we get to read about two women that maybe someday we'll get to meet and you know, give them big, big hugs. So let's take this time to commune with our Lord. Let's go ahead. Please bow with me to pray. We'll take our Lord's supper.
Thanks for listening to the Blue Ridge Podcast. My name is James Lim, and if you'd be interested in more resources like this or connecting with us, visit us online at blueridge.church or join us at Burnley Moran Elementary School at 10.30 a.m. Sundays in Charlottesville, Virginia. Thanks for tuning in and see you next time. Thank you.